Hello and welcome to the seventh Sunday episode of the Rod and Star podcast, the official podcast of the St. George, the martyr of Kales River Parish. And I'm joined as always by the rector of that parish, the venerable Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you? Morning, Lindsay. I'm doing very well. I just uh, finished doing a funeral service a couple of minutes ago for Hazel Davidson, and we continue to pray for the repose of her soul and also for her family, Brian, Sherry, and Clayton, and their families. And mm. um, uh, my family's doing okay, and um, so we are, we are grateful to God for every day, every new day. Uh, the the funerals, I mean, they they are they are still happening. They're limited to fifty people. Um, have there been any complaints uh, by people attending funerals about just the process of applying for the permit, going to the police station, getting the affidavits, those sorts of things? Um, I must say that you know when one when the conversations begin to to happen around preparation uh, on both sides, my side and on their side, people are well informed. They um, listen to to what we share, and also they follow regulations. And it, uh, I take it um, liberty at the beginning of each service to give to thank people for their compliance and cooperation, and also um, uh, for being able to make sure that even under abnormal circumstances we can be uh, we can operate. And so. There's generally been acceptance of what is going on. Cool. So we are, as you said, uh, just before we, we started recording, um, we are now in we are now in the 50 days of Easter. Can you just give us a little rundown for those of us who are less educated on that? <laughs> um, in terms of the the, the church's uh, liturgical uh, cycle, um, yeah. the days between Easter and Pentecost are 50 days. So you add the 40 days uh, of Lent, and now you have the 50 days of the celebration of Easter before Pentecost happens. Um, and also that um, we have, um, we, we look forward to the ascension during this time and working our way towards, towards Pentecost. So um, it's, it's now, we're now dealing with um, the, the, there's two issues that are coming up. One would be, the appearance stories of Jesus and for that to sort of sink in and then also um, how the church is now being sort of with Jesus going towards Galilee and then uh, to Jerusalem where they wait for the spirit to come uh, on the day of Pentecost. So it gives us that that um, journey in the narrative leading towards the Pentecost event. Um, of the appearances of Jesus and what they mean, and and also uh, the beginnings of the community where the Spirit now gives leadership um, to to the establishment of the community even further than the just the twelve disciples and those who follow Jesus early on. So it's a, a celebration of His resurrection. It's getting to understand, to grips, to a new faith in the risen Lord. Yeah, that was yeah that that really comes through in the liturgies specifically because I see we finally getting to Peter's first epistle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To um, the that, that always 
was was strange for me that like Peter is the rock on which the church is founded, um, but there is no synoptic gospel for for Peter. Yeah, it is interesting that um, when we when we ask that particular question, um, we learn that actually the Gospel of Saint Mark was written as a narrative that Peter told and shared. Um, and so that is how Peter's voice and his mm. testimony comes through. Of course, there's the two letter there's the two letters we have in the later part of the New Testament, also referring to Peter. So mm. um, Mark was one of those who sat at the feet of Peter to capture the narrative. Uh, of Jesus, there is a speculation. Uh, maybe, maybe the jury's out on it. I'm not sure. I haven't read anything mm. recently. That Mark was the young man who fled. Um, uh, his clothes were ripped off him, and he fled naked. Uh, uh, but uh, in in that stiff reference in the Gospel of Saint Mark, mm. so um, he was a follower, but at a distance. Yeah. Um, and we know that Paul had some problems with him. Uh, in in Acts, but his role was to capture the good news of Jesus through the narrative and experience of Peter. Okay, so speaking of the Acts, would you like us to take us through the the first reading? So our greeting this morning would be, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And in the prayer of reproach, approach, we give thanks to God, who is the giver of new life for us. This leads us on to the prayer of confession, uh, that even though we are housebound, it doesn't mean our sins are lesser. Um, in our confession, we celebrate the love of God, but we also understand that sometimes our hearts are hard and stubborn and that often we wander off cause. So we need repentant hearts to seek the forgiveness of God and to experience the transformation that comes um, through the death and resurrection of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And for this, we are grateful for God's um, continuous grace to us. And so the Easter, the, the collect for the second Sunday of Easter, we, we pray this together. God of mission, you raised Jesus Christ as the firstborn of the dead. By your Holy Spirit, empower us to witness to him that those who have not yet seen may come to believe in him who was and who is and who is to come and who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So the first reading uh, in terms of the liturgy of the word for this Sunday is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 14a to, and then verse 22 to verse 32. I read to you a few of the verses. Um, to show what was happening uh, once um, the once Peter then were inspired to now become the voices 
uh, out there speaking about Jesus. And he takes us back to where Jesus was born. He calls him Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man, continues Peter, handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of those outside the law. This is Jesus whom God raised up. And of that, all of us are witnesses. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's quite interesting because in my my kids' um, children's Bible, uh, the story we read on Monday, which was the Monday after Easter Family Day, uh, was where Peter heals the lame man. Yes, uh, in front and of then, the temple. Yes, and then gets promptly arrested. <laughs> yes, yes, and and again becomes um, the, um, um, the both the spokesperson. And it's amazing how his theology has now changed and become far more um, uh, um, presentable, um, mm. but also continuously challenging to the authorities who would not want to hear about Jesus because according to them, Jesus had died uh, and, and was no longer. They silenced that voice. And yet... As the spirit moved, Peter, Peter them did what they did in front of the temple. And, and I mean, that's quite embarrassing for the authorities yeah. for them to behave in this way. And Peter made it clear at that stage, we are obedient to God. Hmm. So Peter's growth and his understanding and his confidence and his faith uh, leading up to that point. Um, uh, makes it makes it clear to us that though Jesus is physically not around anymore, his work is continuing. And what yeah. is the intention yeah. of God? Intention of God is to bring healing and wholeness to all these. Now, if this happened right outside of the temple, what is the temple supposed to signify and witness to? And Peter, in this chapter that we are dealing with, says yeah. all of that, we are witnesses. Yeah. Um, and so should the temple not be the, the witnesses of a healing God, a mm. God who restores life in the way only God can do, and that we attest to that. And I think the words um, ring true for the Sunday school, silver and gold have I none, yeah. but such as I have yeah. give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Um, but it's, it's interesting that he always refers to, I mean, in that story and in, in this passage that we read, he refers to Jesus of Nazareth. And, Nazareth. And, yeah, and not any other, like he doesn't give him any other names. Doesn't call, yeah, it's just Jesus of Nazareth, which is, I, I don't know, it just kind of jumped out to me now that he would identify the person who he's 
speaking of and speaking through, I think he identifies as he can only speak with the power that is granted to him by Jesus of Na- through Jesus of Nazareth. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting that Nazareth would have such a, a important place. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that um, when I listen to the word Nazareth, which then refers back to where Jesus was was born, mm. um, uh, was was Peter trying to help? them and us understand he was part of this earth and he was he had he had his roots his earthly roots in Nazareth with a family but there's something about him that was different to all of us and that something about him was something special um, which we can't put our hands onto but no doubt that even it, I wonder whether he was slowly trying to work himself as he listened to the teachings of the spirit and, and that which Jesus had told him and what was revealed to him by God. Remember in Mark yeah. chapter 8 when they were at Pernium, yeah. Jesus said to him, flesh and blood didn't make this known to you, but God who made it known to you. So their theology, their understanding of who Jesus is was beginning to develop, develop and what kind of words would they give to describe Jesus so that people could make a connection. People mm. could hear in what was happening, the plan of God. And, um, and, and in other words, look how God worked in Nazareth. Look how God brought us hope starting in Nazareth. Um, and so it, it's a tremendously powerful passage to be able to, uh, and, 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 and theme to tap into mm. because it would then center Jesus, root Jesus that people could relate mm. to and also see the tremendous power of God at work um, even before the power of raising Jesus from the dead God's yeah. power was that he brought Jesus yeah. to earth. God truly becoming man with us. And then if you just, le- like if you draw that line through to the second reading where it says, by his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So it's, it's, it's a nice right. interplay between those two readings where, because that was 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 9. I think, yeah, yes. that's verse 3, at yeah, the end of verse 3. Um, it, it's a nice little thread where you're referring to, like, drawing people's minds back to where Jesus came from and then just, like, kind of equating yes. that to the birth of the of the new church. Yes, yes. And, and you can see here now how Peter, uh, uh, attached to the thought that you raised earlier on, was, on this rock I'll build my church. And mm. the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we can now see with the empowerment of the spirit how Peter begins to live that out. How he yeah. becomes the leader Jesus always thought he would be and called him to be. Now, it's very interesting that the words that are associated with the resurrection power uh, that that uh, God used to raise Jesus from the dead um, reveals here that death is defeated. 
by mm. the power of God. And therefore, because we know this, we are able to bless God, praise God, but also it is the way in which God, by his mercy, is injecting, or the word says, given us a new birth into a living hope. So that all has tremendously powerful uh, um, uh, language for our, our time, and one does realize for all time. Um, we cannot live without a sense of the gift of life, the mm. gift of new birth. We celebrate this new birth um, in, in the children that are being born into the world. And we celebrate it through birthdays, through the events of confirmation and baptism, marriage yeah. and so on. Yeah. But the birth that comes to us is not just a birth, boom, kla, but it's into a living hope, mm. which does define how mm. we ought to be living this new birth, this new life. Or somebody uh, coined the phrase that we have to we have to be prisoners of hope in all circumstances, uh, and it's not just hope; it's a living hope. Um, yeah. You know, so that even for example, um, maybe I can equate this with Liverpool. You <laughs> never walk alone. Yeah. Um, that that they were over 25 years, they never won the appropriate trophies. Yes. But all of that is past. <laughs> now that they won the current trophy. Well, that's so, what that decided, though. I don't know. Uh, well, well, not totally yet. Not so. totally yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I suppose not totally yet, but they're close there. They're close by. But those people who supported them through 25 years of having no results, yeah. now in this past season, saw what was going on. And every time Liverpool played, they sang that song. Yes. There was an existing living hope that the team in whatever match was going to get it right. Mm. And that they were building up towards when they, when, when they got the, the right resolution that can foster the, the, this crown. So if I can use that as, 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 a, as a model to say that no matter what we are going through uh, in this life, that which God achieved through Jesus Christ uh, is that by his mercy, we have give, been given a new birth and a new birth into a living hope. So we have to be agents of hope, a living hope. Now, we need the proper language for that. Yeah. We need for how us to be credible in our witness and that goes also with action and uh, one of the things that um, I have experienced over this past few weeks coming from uh, some of the congregants was a spirit of generosity that was beginning to rise and being verbalized uh, for those who are without and mm. so so even though we were lulled to our homes, the Spirit of God generated within us through the news reports, through our prayerfulness and worship, that we still can do something. Mm. And it was in this week when 
the words of Jesus sort of rang a true bell with me when sharing with a parishioner about um, the sense of, am I doing enough for those less fortunate than myself? And I said, well, what does the words that Jesus said mean for the least you do for my brothers and sisters? And what is the least? So that even in that aspect, we mustn't let guilt steal away or cripple the living hope we must live. Mm. But even in that one action of generosity, we are exercising the living hope that was brought to us through the mercy of God by the new birth uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and that hope is, is important. I mean, uh, we've had two uh, kids of like close friends of ours who've had birthdays now, actually over the Easter weekend uh, during this time. And for us, it was important to like, um, for, for the one kid, we it was just by chance. We did say that we were going to do it, but then just by chance, it actually did happen. Um, we baked a cake and then we all sang for him like via video with a cake. And um, for the other kid, we also like did the same thing where we all get together and we sing. And it's just so that I mean, for for them it must be very confusing now because there's uh, the one kid he was he was saying he thought he was going to have his birthday at the spur and that everyone was going to come to spur. <laughs> And then his parents, like, had to break his heart and, like, tell him, like, no, dude, we can't do that. Yeah, close. yeah. No one can come yeah. out to your birthday. Um, yeah. And to just, like, carry on that that hope for the kids during this time to make their birthday special, to know that there is still goodness in the world. Um, yeah. No matter what it, they... Because all the news and stuff filters through to them as well. Yeah. I think what, what, what it does say in terms of the story you're telling, mm. that um, this despondency, uh, disappointment, feels like death itself. Yeah. There's words in, in Scripture in the Old Testament, which I also thought about this morning and used in the service, that in the midst of life, we are in death. Mm. But does death stop us from living? And in living, we are meant to do something creative. Now, it says here, uh, one of the words associated with COVID-19 is the word novel. Yes. Which means something new that Mm -hmm. we have to deal with. In the text, it says, by his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. Mm. Something that is always new. So it means that in the midst of of life, even though the shadow of death hangs and looms through things like disappointment, um, Mm. we are able to find a creative way to celebrate life. Um, And and that comes through a deepening of our faith in that God, by his power, raised Jesus from death death and mm. the, the 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 words that follow are the words of the hymn that says the strife is oh the battle won mm. um, now is the victor's triumph song and the hymn actually begins with three hallelujahs before it celebrates the the, the, the strife is oh the battle won and and so um, it moves us into celebration um, in the midst of the, the shadow of death. 
Yeah. Uh, and then just moving on to the gospel, um, can you just take us through a couple of lines of that? So again, we are dealing with, in the face of bad news, good news, which is according to John. It's proclaimed there, uh, the gospel of John, and we are called to listen to it. It's the 20th chapter, and I hope that you will go and read verses 19 to 31. Um, it's very wonderful in the, the narrative way in which the gospel reading starts. When it was evening on that day, um, evening happened in the, in the course of the day. Um, the day seems to be more important. Evening seems to be breaking into mm. the day, isn't it? Uh, so almost like the, the, the thing of birth, this complication of death is also stalking, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. But it also tells us it was the first day of the week. So again, a sense of new beginning. Um, so, so every, and the way that we've been able to embrace this idea and, 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 and faith and reality is Sunday begins our week. Uh, Sunday is the day of resurrection. Saturday completes the journey of the week. And when the sun rises on the Sunday, we are called to arise with living hope in the new birth that God has given us. But there are complications. Doors are locked uh, because of fear. Fear of people, fear of the Jews, fear of the authorities who... Um, um, powered it over Jesus, it would seem. Mm. What happens on this day under all of those uh, lockdown, uh, they were self-locked down and, and socially yeah. isolated. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus came and stood amongst them. And what was his words when he sees them? Not ah shame, he says peace. Be with you. Those were the words that Jesus spoke on the boat when he was sleeping uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and then it got rough. And they were worried that they were going to drown. And Peter, them all said, Come, Lord, you know, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus says, Oh, you are of little faith. Mm. And then the first thing he says when he says, Stands over the waters. He says, peace, be still. And again, the question of the identity, who is this man? So the words of Jesus post-resurrection refers us back to something that happened pre-resurrection. Mm. And it seems as if the author is saying, that's the same Jesus you journeyed with. Yeah. Who now is looking at the tempest that fear is causing in your life and you're in lockdown and, and he comes and says he opens up um, the door of fear that we are locked behind and said so we need to hear what the presence of God in Christ is saying to us and then after all of this happens, he begins to reveal himself to them. They who would oft, 
over the period of three years have known his hands and would have known that his feet and his side and he shows them that it has changed. Mm. The healing hands now are the wounded hands that brought healing. And so Jesus shows them the evidence of the crucifixion. Uh, it's a profound um, um, message to us, it, especially when we are meant to continuously washing our hands so that they do not become um, tools of infection. So uh, hands are an important part of reaching out. They're an important part of embrace. Mm. Um, their gestures are very uh, important even as we speak. I don't know. Is it just a natural thing that when we speak words, we're showing all kinds of things with our hands, <laughs> hoping that it will further emphasize the message. But he shows them the evidence of his death. And the fact that he can show them the evidence of his death means he's resurrected. And when they see the hands and his side, which is a sign that he bled from the inside for us, mm. it was not just external bleeding in the hands. It was um, a, a, a wound right into his inner being. In other words, from his heart, the, the core of his being. Now, they rejoiced when they saw. How critical is seeing the Lord to our faith? Mm. How critical is it to us to see God working in the labs where vaccines have to be formulated and prepared, um, in, the, in the hospitals, at essential services, where this virus seems to have the most attraction? Um, the presence of the living God uh, amongst them, even though we don't always see, but if we give ourselves a chance to, to look deeper, it may lead us to rejoicing mm -hmm. uh, when on most occasions we feel despair. Now, Jesus reminds them what he's all about. He again speaks. So he comes, he stands amongst them, and he says something. Then he shows them. Then there's a response. And then he comes and says again to them. You know, repetition is important um, of things that help us to build up uh, a life in, as those li living in, in the living hope. Um, peace be with you. Words that they knew. But now, uh, and how important that peace must be to agonizing souls and bodies and minds. Um, you know, when, when, I, when I hear he speaks, you know, when you speak, you're breathing out into the atmosphere uh, a language. Is the language of hope? Uh, is the is, is language of inspiration? Is it a language of despair? Jesus brings a language of hope, of 
of, 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 of inspiration, of assurance that even at a time when we are baffled by what is going on, God still seeks that the human soul must be fed by and experience the depth of shalom, the, the, the deep, meaningful peace of God within the human soul. And it's out of this that Jesus says, um, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. The call to mission. There's a future beyond the locked door mm. that we must not give up. He gives up a sense that there's a future that he wants us to be part of. In, in whatever way it is that we are meant to be part of. And, and so, in a way, our journey during the isolation, because all this happens behind the locked door. Yeah. And so, you're preparing us to the time when we have the courage, the right wisdom, and the proper information to open up the doors and to enter into this broad world where we as people of peace are sent we are we are meant to be those who are have have, have a sense of deep permission i i don't know exactly how um it will play itself out but am i preparing myself through devotions and prayers and silences and um, uh, relaxation and conversations with the family to be a person that can be moved out of the spaces of isolation into a world and say right now, how are we going to build this world mm. again? And what will be new? Um, one of the things that is um, going to be challenging is we are going to be called to a new way of living. Yeah. And what does that mean? But Jesus then needs to take it to the next level. We can't just do this on our own. You know, uh, when you hear, so I send you, doesn't mean run out of the door now quickly. Yeah. You can't do this on your own. And so the gospel reading says, when he had said this, then he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the spirit. Mm. You know, God breathes on us life. But do we receive the living breath? There's a response to this. Receive it. Receive what I'm breathing over you. And so we have to be receptive to the Holy Spirit. We have to open up our lives to the person of God's spirit. Um, this takes us back right to the creation stories when he breathed ruach into the clay that he formed and shaped. So we can now see it's a rebirth. It's a new birth. Um, the spirit of Jesus being um, uh, breathed into us and over us. And you know, the next verse gives us a sense of what our first message should be. It's not a message of condemnation. 
It's a message that says you can help people be delivered from their guilt. You can help people deal with their sins. You can help them to recognize that the new life we're going to be called to post-COVID-19 must be a life that is no longer entangled with selfish, stubborn, and volatile behavior. We must look to a world that is new because the people are open to the newness that God has brought us through Jesus Christ. He has given us this new gift of life, new birth, into a living hope. And and that's what we have to work forward to. And in that process, people will need to know that they are forgiven of the past. Mm. They need to know that liberation deep within them. So this gives us a sense that, you know, it's not the end of our lives, but in this state of, re- of, of, of rest and relaxation and isolation, we have a mission beyond the locked door, a call to a new world, a new way of being, a new opportunity. And we have to look forward to that because those that have died during this time, we must not live in the new life if we survive this time mm-hmm. um, to, in, to forget what they went through. Their deaths must be the foundations on which we build this new life. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we must not mm-hmm. lose sight of, as it were, their suffering. And in other words, the offering they make, because look, through every case of infection, medical people are learning about this virus. Yeah. We, yeah, hope, so. we hope that it wasn't uh, two million. We hope that it was just the one. Sorry, Lindsay? No, I was saying it's also important to not lose um, the, the scars or at least sight of what happened to us as individuals through this, like I always refer back to, like I've had a lot of things that have happened in my career where you go up against the corporate machines that don't <laughs> that don't operate um, with any uh, mercy to like creativity or like you have to fall in line or get kicked out. So I've been kicked out, chewed up and spit out a couple of times. And the the instinct is always to close that chapter and begin a new one. But as you progress, you start figuring out that the lessons you learned there, the scars that you carry, have actually hardened you for the next battle. And you should use it and always refer back to it. Um, that's why I think, like what I well, did comes- is, it's like Jesus showed them his scars first. Like even though that's he died right. to death, he was still, he still had the scars of death. Yeah. But why? So that when you show it, they can rejoice. Mm. They can see the survival. They can see that life continues, mm. even amidst what, what is going on. So, um, so yes, we have to show them the scars. We cannot hide yeah. it.
And so we would conclude normally with these words. This is the gospel of Christ. And we would praise Christ, our Lord, for this gospel. Yeah. Just want to make two points. (laughs) Okay. Because one, I am an evolutionist. Um, So the the lovely um, anecdote that you... Uh, anecdote is the wrong word. I'm using my English again. Um, <laughs> but the lovely story about uh, breathing the Ruach into, into Adam can also be equated to when, when those first microbes, those flatworms, first emerged from the ocean and drew breath. And that mm. oxygen did all sorts of anaerobic things to their bodies. And that was the birth of life, or mm. at least mammalian life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just needed to take it back there. Okay. Um, The other point I wanted to make was actually a question that you kind of answered through what you were saying. Um, Like, what does Rodney Whiteman, as 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 a man outside of 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 the man of the cloth, um, what evidence do you require in life, out of life, to see the the works of God? Um, One of the things that um, I am grateful for Mm. is the gospel narrative of Jesus. So the story, a story uh, in which which use the tool to carry the narrative of faith in Mm. Jesus. I um, as somebody said many years ago, Jesus is my starting point okay. because I relate to Jesus through my through my my humanity, and then the, as the, the 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 four gospels portray him uh, coming to reveal to us how loved we are by God. I'm also fascinated by um, uh, the challenge that I received in a previous parish where many of the older men um, gave up faith in God at all. Mm. But they loved the creation. And I engaged some of them um, who were struggling with their faith in the living God. And one of them had died. So I'm talking about experience now. One of them was 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 asked me to come a week before he died. He came through his wife to ask me to come and visit him. And I went and sat next to him and held his hand. When, he, when we shook each other's hand, so he kept onto my hands and I held onto his hands. For a whole hour, he didn't say a word. Mm. And while him and and his wife and I were having a conversation, he never uttered a word. And I was fascinated by the fact that um, that the I can I cannot remember the conversation his wife and I were having. But from that event, what I experienced was the profound um, connection between us whether we believe or not, when we are plugged into one another, in other words, when we're making the contact of holding hands, Mm -hmm. was he drawing strength from my limited faith? Mm -hmm. Was I drawing strength from his life experiences? 
What were we sharing in a moment where words could not capture? Mm. And a week later, he died. So experience is vital to the way I come to a, a deeper faith in, in God. Mm. One other aspect would be, and this would be the third thing, would be um, the fact that we have within us the passion to love somebody that we never grew up with. Um, falling in love with my wife the very first time. And that in some way being reciprocated by exploration um, uh, through conversation and presence and so on. Um, and the beauty of that growing into the many years that we've able to share, God willing, on the 20th, 35 years of marriage. Now, how is all of that possible? The, mm. the miracle and the mystery behind all of that. And then just the last thing. There's an old an older person in the pre previous parish. Uh, she would, I, I visited her at home and Edith and I always had wonderful conversations about everything. And so as I was leaving this one day, Enid said to me, Rodney, tell me, how can people say there is no God? And we were passing by um, a, 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 a flowers that she had planted, beautiful pansies. And the, the way the colors were blended in. And she said to me, look at this beauty. How mm. can anybody say there is no God? So, so, so drawing then from somebody else's faith experience uh, also ignites um, me. So these are some of the things I can certainly uh, hold on. There's many more I could probably share, but for now, I hope that response um, has helped no. you with the question you've posed. <laughs> no, that's perfect. And then if you can just lead us into the prayer themes and then conclude with the, the prayer in the time of COVID-19. Okay. So as we continue with the prayers of the church for this week, you'll find the fuller um, prayers in the pure leaflet you would have received today. Um, and of course, we would be uh, uh, doing spiritual communion uh, as part of the exercise of continuing to be the Eucharistic uh, community. In our prayers, we celebrate Jesus as the risen Lord, and we ask Jesus to continue to fill our hearts with Easter joy. We ask Jesus in our prayers today that he may um, help his church to rejoice in his presence and in the life-giving spirit he gives us. We petition him to bring us through our doubts to proclaim him as Lord and God in our everyday life. We also ask Jesus to set us free uh, from um, the fears uh, around um, government and, and uh, maybe the inadequacies. And also when governing, do they govern from an impoverished spirit or a spirit in touch with the spirit of God? And particularly in this global pandemic, we pray to Jesus to bring all nations to rejoice in his freedom. 
we also ask Jesus to set us free from the weight of sin that always clings so persistently to us. And then we um, pray that Jesus will fulfill the desire he has for us. Um, desire our good above all other and speak tenderly to the afflicted. And um, as we remember the people that are infected with COVID and those that have died, we do know that there are other illnesses people are struggling with and, mm. and, and, and the afflictions of, of poverty and hunger and starvation. Uh, this we all hold before God. And we say, Jesus, hold close to you those whose needs we bring before you. Uh, bring us through times of trial to praise and glorify your name. And so we continue to pray um, the prayer during COVID-19, including all infected and affected, all dealing with this um, pandemic uh, in various ways. Author of life, heal of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly, and grant us your salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then we commend the dead to God, um, pray that all who have died may be granted the hope of eternal life, comfort to the bereaved. And again, um, we celebrate then as we um, ask that in his, your holy name, Lord Jesus, to grant these prayers. We are then called to practice your presence, Lord, through the peace greeting. Uh, and we celebrate the peace of the risen Christ to be with all of us in, in this time. The liturgy for the Eucharist, as we pray, we hear Jesus saying, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. And in receiving sacramentally and spiritually, as we draw near to Jesus, we say to Jesus, come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. There is room in our hearts for thee. Come and commune with us. For you said, I stand at the door and knock. Those who open up, I will come in and sup with them. And so we give thanks to the Lord who is always gracious. We offer ourselves in dedication to God's service as a living sacrifice. And we celebrate what Jesus said in the gospel. 